right. I want to say welcome to everybody watching online again. My name is Brandon. If I don't know you, I'm one of the pastors around here. Um, I noticed a female voice scream out about men's night tonight. I don't know what you think happens at a man's night. I don't know what you're intending on. Um, one or two things, you're single and ready to mingle, okay? Look, if that's, the, I mean, church is a great place to meet somebody. Look, I just stand in the center of the lobby out there, kind of spin around, and uh, guys, if you want to say hello, you know, no more power to you. Or maybe you're a married woman and you go, my husband's gone for a few hours. Are you excited about that? I don't know. But either way, I'm excited about it too, all right? So guys, come join us for men's night tonight. It's going to be a great time together. And uh, ladies, you know, whatever that means for you, okay? Hey, grab your outline for today's message. Burt Reynolds once said it, got a long way to go and a short time to get there, okay? So I feel like that way today. But I am pumped about today's message. As a matter of fact, uh, the story that we're going to share out of Scripture today, I'm not a betting man, but I would roll the dice to say that probably 98% of you have never heard this Bible story in all of your lives. Because it's a little risque. It's a little PG-13 on the verge of R. It's like the best action movie you've ever seen in your life. For those of you who say the Bible is boring, not today, okay? Y'all ready for it? Look, we're in this series called Long Story Short. Usually when somebody says Long Story Short, you buckle in because you know it's not going to be short at all. But it is. They've got me a timer, so I can't go over, all right? They've got me in a parameter, so I promise you, I got you. But this whole series that we're doing, we're talking through some of the most untalked about stories in the Bible. Most of us know Noah and the Ark. We all know that one, right? Uh, even if you don't go to church uh, and, and that's not your deal, some of you moms, you decorated your nursery in Noah and the Ark. We know the story of uh, Moses, many of us. Some of you watched the movie back in the day. Uh, many of us know the stories and the miracles of Jesus and a lot of these amazing stories. But the Bible is full of stuff that we don't even talk about. And this is why it's important and why we're leaning into some of these stories this month. Because on your outline at the top, 2 Timothy teaches us that all Scripture, underline that statement, all Scripture, this is important, mostly because we're in 2023 and more than ever before this is important, all Scripture, not picking, not choosing, not rewriting, not eliminating, but all Scripture is inspired by God. And what's it for? It teaches us what is true. We live in a subjective society where every truth is whatever you feel and whatever you think. But the Bible gives us a foundation. The Bible gives us an anchor. The Bible gives us an absolute. This is our truth. And it makes us realize what's wrong in our life. A little heads up for all of us. We all got a little something wrong in our life. Nobody in here. You got it put together. You look really good today. But you still got a little corner somewhere that's jacked up, okay? You got a little dust, you get one area done, and you got to go back and work on the other. All of us. Because God's still working on us. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. The Bible, from the beginning to the end, does all of these things for us. It is inspired by God. It is useful to teach us, equip us, rebuke us, correct us. All the things that Scripture does. And it's every possible story. Last week, we talked about the prayer of Jabez. Some of you may have heard that before because you were around in the early 2000s when it became popular. An author expanded on this, and everybody thought, man, that guy's so smart. It's like, no, that's just scripture, okay? You, you had never read that story, but people had T-shirts and bookmarks and little devotionals, and everybody's the prayer of Jabez, like it was a big deal. And it's just a few little verses in the obscurity of scripture, but it's so powerful that changes our lives. Today, I've got one again that I think probably nobody has ever heard of. As a matter of fact, I titled your message because I think it sums it up really good this way, Mission Impossible. Anybody know that? Nine o'clock was better. 
and we'll give you all another chance, okay? Let's get with it. How many remember the old TV show, Mission Impossible? Put your hand down. Don't date yourself. Come on, somebody. Ooh, absolutely. Nick at night, baby. That was back in the day, you know, some, some uh, Mission Impossible. Uh, how many of the Tom Cruise movies? Come on. I saw one and two back in the day. Just watched three this weekend. Got four and five to go. They're still good, all right? This is your mission if you choose to accept it. That was the big deal. He got some kind of communication about a dangerous mission, and this message will self-destruct in five, four, three, two, one. And if it's me, I'm like, no, nope, got plans this weekend. I'm going to go lay by the pool. We've got a beach trip coming up. But he's like, no, I think I can do that. I think I can hang out of an airplane. I think I can find explosions and get on a motorcycle and race through town. Like, that's what's fun. My wife said, what are you watching? She said, it's all this violence. I said, sweetheart, have you ever seen an action movie? They don't talk about this stuff over coffee. It's called an action movie. This is the good parts right here. But this is your mission if you choose to accept it. Something is wrong that needs to be corrected, and Ethan Hunt, I have chosen you, if you will accept it, to go out into this chaos and make a difference. Today, we live in a world of chaos, and God just so happens to be saying to us who are followers of Jesus, this is your mission if you choose to accept it. I need you to go out into a world of chaos and make a difference in the world that is around you. Today, we're going to be talking about not Ethan Hunt, but we're going to be talking to a guy named Ehud. It's just a cool name. I don't care who you are. You're pregnant here thinking about it? I think you could bring Ehud back, this little Ehud. It just sounds like a, like a street name. Right? There ain't nobody messing with Ehud. You know what I'm saying? They might get Timmy, right? <laughs> but they ain't going to get Ehud. So you got a guy named Ehud, and all of this is in Judges chapter 3. If you got a Bible, you want to turn there, you want to mark that. Judges chapter 3. And it's unique because we get a picture of why Ehud is needed to begin with. And the description of the time and culture in which this story takes place, I think, is relevant because I think it mirrors the time and culture in which we live today. The scripture's on the screen for you. In Judges 21 and 25, it says, In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Everybody does whatever they feel, and you just let everybody live any way they want to live. Now, if that doesn't sound like today. But the danger of this is, it's the same danger we're facing today. Because Judges 3 verse 12 says, Once again the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. And the Lord gave King Eglon, he's going to be important today, control over Israel because of what? Their evil. Their disobedience. Because they stepped out of the obedience of God, did what seemed right in their own eyes, everybody. God is like a father who says, that breaks my heart to see you make that decision. But some lessons are learned the hard way. See, this is a cycle, and it's all through the Old Testament. We need God. We cry out to God. God rescues us. We love God. And then we get confident in the blessing, and we no longer need God. So then we end up in trouble, and then we need God again. He steps up, and it's this vicious cycle that many of us, if we're honest, we follow in our own lives even today. We love God. We need God. We don't need God so much anymore. So then we get ourselves in more trouble, and then we come back and we need God again. In the midst of this cycle, here's what's happened. This guy named King Eglon has taken 
all of these people captive. He's kept them in slavery. He's oppressed them for 18 years until the people had had enough and they cried out to God. That's where our story starts today. And so I want to pray, and then here's what we're going to do. I'm going to share you the full story with you, and then we're going to look at three principles that I think apply to us through this guy named Ehud of three things that he possessed that made him eligible to be what the Bible called a rescuer. And I think God wants to use us in the same way. Our mission, if we choose to accept it. So let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you for this day. Every person in this building, people in Columbiana today, and every person online, Father, we're so grateful to be in your presence. I pray that you speak to us through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me set this up for you. This is great, everybody. I mean, just you've never heard a Bible story like this, right? So you got a king named Eglon. He's taken all the people captive. He's oppressive. He's put everybody down. So everybody says, we've had enough. 18 years is long enough. We recognize that maybe we're not smart enough to do it our way, so we need God. So everybody prays and cries out to God. And they said, God, please set us free. Please rescue us. So the Bible says that God raised up a rescuer. It's the word that the Bible uses. I love it. He raises up a rescuer, and his name is Ehud. And he says Ehud was a left-handed man from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, that may not sound important, but we'll talk about that. So God raises him up for a secret mission. You could call him the left-handed assassin. I mean, if you wanted to, because he's a left-handed guy, and this mission that God puts him on is really incredible. So as the king, here's what he said. Out of everything I can take from you, what do you think he wanted from the people? Money, all right? That don't sound familiar either, but you got to pay tax and lots of tax. you got to bring it to me. He would tax everybody to death. And every year, every tribe, think about a tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. It's kind of like we're in Alabaster, Helena, Montevallo, all these little places connected. You had all these people groups connected in territory. And all of these people groups would take money and they would take it to the king. And they would select a person to present the tax. Guess who they chose? Ehud. Ehud, you take the money. God has raised you up. You take the money to the king. But this day, it ain't just a tax payment that the king is going to get. No, the Bible says that the left-handed Ehud took his knife. Something about like this right here. Now, don't be jealous. This is an original 1980s Rambo First Blood knife. Come on, somebody. But it was kind of like this. Hey, yo, wasn't my war. You know what I'm saying? That'd be first blood. Because Ehud is left-handed, Ehud would store his weapon on his right thigh. Now, the Bible points out that he's left-handed because in the day, there weren't many left-handed people. We'll talk about it in a minute, but as a matter of fact, being left-handed shown a sign of weakness. Now, just like going to see the king was like going to see the president. You wouldn't walk up to the White House and say, hey, here to see Mr. Biden, okay? Just going to roll up in the White House. It wouldn't happen. You got to get through secret service. The king had secret service. But because they were expecting this tax to come, they searched him. However, they didn't search his right thigh. They searched his left. Because a right-handed man would store the weapon on the right thigh. It was so uncommon. So Ehud finds himself into the very quarters where the king sits. Now, don't get mad at me. Got to preach the scripture to you, okay? The Bible says that King uh, Eglon was very fat. 
I didn't write it. That's what it says. They didn't say big bone. They didn't say a man of girth. They didn't say beautifully big. They just said he was very fat. All right? Now, don't get mad at me. Now, not only does this give a physical description of his girth, but it's also a representation of the way this man lived in total excess on the backs of everybody else. Now, when, when Ehud gets in there with King Eglon, he gives him the money. It's accepted. And then he does something a little different. He said, hey, King, I got a secret that I need to tell you. It's a word from God. And they said that King Eglon got up with a lot of pride, and he dismissed all of his secret service, all of his servants, and he put them out of the room. And he said, what is the word you have for me? And this was the word that Ehud had for Eglon. The Bible says that he drew his weapon and he stabbed him in the stomach so far that the weapon disappeared, the Bible says, in his fat, rolled over his weapon so far that he never got it back. Now, you think that's bad. I'm telling you, you got to buckle up on this one. He stabs the man so far that he loses his Rambo first blood knife. And then the Bible says that King Eglon emptied his bowels. Some of you don't know what that means. I'm just going to say it. He pooped his pants at his death. It gets better. As he dies in the floor, empty bowels, Ehud goes and locks the door. It just so happens that the room that the king has just died in also contains the facilities, the restroom, the bathroom. Ehud climbs out the window and escapes. Time passes and all the servants are going, where is the king? They go to the door to find it locked. He had emptied his bowels, so they assume he has stunk up the bathroom, and the Bible says that he is relieving himself. They think he is in the bathroom on the commode. The Bible says that the servants stand there outside the door so long that they became embarrassed. That's how long they stood there and said, something is not right. They go get a key, they open the door, and they find their king dead in the floor. Imagine how they go, oh, we don't have a job anymore. We're going to die. Fear, panic sets in. But guess what happens next? They stood there so long to be embarrassed, it gave Ehud time to escape, to get back to camp, sound an alarm. They gathered the troops, and all of their army attacked Everybody. The Bible says they killed 10,000 of the best men on that day. And guess what happened? On that very day, they were set free and lived in peace for another 80 years. Isn't that awesome? Come on, everybody. That's a good Bible story. Somebody says, that's boring. Listen, you say, well, you need to read about Eglon and Ehud. It's a good story, but what does it mean? I told somebody this week, I said, hey, I'm, this is what we're talking about Sunday. They said, well, what you going to bring out of that? <laughs> Are y'all ready for it? Three characteristics of Ehud. Because here's, again, 
We live in this culture, everybody, where everybody's living their own way, doing what they want. And we're going to find ourselves as a culture in an oppressive state, serving something God never intended for us to serve. We're going to be serving our, our mental health. We're going to be serving addiction. We're going to be serving divorce. We're going to be serving all of the things that we are putting in our culture by abandoning the Lord. But God's looking for somebody, maybe in here, that he could use. This says, just if, number one, write this down, we're willing. God uses our willingness. Number one, God chose Ehud because of his willingness. The Bible says when the Israelites served Eglon for 18 years, but when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord again raised up, underline this in your notes, a rescuer to save them. This is one of the most important principles, everybody, that we can learn by following Jesus right here. Many of us, every one of us, you have a need in this room. We go before God. We pray. We ask God. We believe God. We got faith in God. We got a prayer journal. Oh, dear Jesus, today I pray. Right? All good. But most of us approach God expecting him to show up and do it. Some of us have said this. I'm just waiting on Jesus. I'm going to hang here until God shows up. Some of us have said it. You've heard it. But sometimes God doesn't just show up. Sometimes God sends somebody else. Sometimes God raises up somebody who's willing to stand in the gap between you and something else. Maybe God raises up somebody that will be the person to pray for you, to serve you, to give to you, to live for you, to live life on purpose who aren't selfish looking for something. God doesn't always just solve it. Sometimes God sends a rescuer. And the rescuer just has to be willing. Somewhere right now there's a mom praying for their son who's addicted. And it just so happens that you may run into them in the grocery store this afternoon. You may work with them in your office on the job site. And you've been going, oh my gosh, I have to listen to that story one more time from that person. And you go the other way. But God's saying, hey, look, mom's been praying. You are the rescuer that I raised up. You're at this job so that you can be the rescuer to answer the prayer of a mother. When we're just expecting God just to do it. But maybe God sends a rescuer. See, we like everything just done really easy, and we like to be served. One of the greatest experiences of my life was our 10-year anniversary five years ago, wedding anniversary. We went to the Dominican Republic. We stayed on an all-inclusive place. They serve you, man. I'm telling you. you couldn't, I couldn't put my towel down. On the, they said, no, I got that. I'm like, man, I can put my own towel down. He's like, no, I got that. It took me all week just to get used to somebody putting my towel down. We aren't drinkers, and our room was stocked full of alcohol. I don't know nothing about it, but it was apparently the good stuff, whatever that is. And, and we were just drinking waters and like sodas. And they called the room and they said, sir, what is wrong? Are you not enjoying your stay? I said, yeah, we're, man, I couldn't be better. They said, well, we were told that you weren't using the alcohol in your room. Is everything to your standard? I was like, oh, yeah, man, we just, I don't want that. I was like, just give me some more Coke. The next day, it's full of soda pop, orange <laughs> drinks, fruity stuff. I said, like, man, this is amazing. Got back to the real world since we got to the airport. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? We like that being served. But see, sometimes you have to be willing to go the extra mile in order to receive. See, I'm a pretty, um, I like the word frugal, okay? Some of you would say cheap. I identify as frugal, not cheap. I'm a good steward, okay? So I'm very aware of those timeshare presentations. Anybody ever done one of those? I've been on a cruise from a timeshare presentation. I've had buffet dinners, mm, and a show. 
I've had all kind of stuff from these timeshare presentations. You see, you're walking down the street, and everybody's just passing them by like they got, you know, like, like they got leprosy or something. You're like, oh, don't touch me. And I'm like, hey, man, what you got today? And they're like, hey, just show up, sit for an hour, and then we'll give you this free. I'm like, sign me up, man. Because I'm just that guy. I show up, and I go, just want you to know, right from the start, just here for the buffet. That's all I'm here for. I will be respectful. You say whatever you want to say. But they told me if I just show up, I get something for free. So, and I'll sit there and I'll do it. Now, it took 100 people to pass just to get to me to say yes. But see, sometimes you got to put a little something in. you got to be willing to go through the process in order to get the prize. Some of us are unwilling to go through the process in order to get the prize. God's looking for somebody to be raised up as a rescuer. And I think that's, if I read scripture right, and I'm not a Bible scholar, but I do know that Jesus said, hey, I'm going back to heaven, but I'm leaving you here with the power of the Holy Spirit to go out into all the world and to preach the gospel and to baptize people and to let them know that heaven is a possibility for them and salvation comes through Jesus. I'm going to be with the Father. I'm busy, but I'm leaving all this responsibility with you. So if we're still wondering why we're still here, when we said yes to Jesus, it's because God wants to raise up a rescuer to be the one to go in as a left-handed assassin in the midst of the war to be willing to do something. But I'm already ahead of you because I know what you're already thinking. Well, but God can't use me because of this, this, or this. Well, it just so happens, number two, God uses our brokenness. The Bible says his name was Ehud, a left-handed man of the tribe of Benjamin. You think, what's the big deal? Left-handed man. What? That doesn't sound like a problem at all. How many of you in here are left-handed? few of you. 10% of our population are left-handed people. Only 10%. It's not very common. As a matter of fact, I am right-handed, but I wear my watch on my right hand. People say all the time, say, oh, you're left-handed? I'm like, no, I just wear my watch on my right hand. And I'm like, but they say it in such a way like, oh, are you left-handed? Oh, that's sad. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I feel for you left-handed people. I'm like, no, I just hate it on my left hand. That's all there is to it. And left-handedness is, is it's kind of a disadvantage. My wife is left-handed. You have to make plans when you sit at the dinner table. You have to know which side you're going to sit on because she's like, I can't eat like this, you know, with the right hand, and I can't be elbowing everybody, so we have to be strategic about where we sit. You ever bought a left-handed guitar? My wife's left-handed. You can give her a cheap one. It costs $1,000. I mean, something you could get for $5 is like a right-handed guitar. Everything's more expensive. They got you left-handed people. They know what they're doing. If you're going to go play golf, you can't just grab somebody's clubs. You can't say, well, I'll just borrow yours. No, you're left-handed. You've got to have your own set of clubs. I mean, if you're left-handed, it's, it's, it's an inconvenience in our culture. You ever use scissors, left-handed people? They ain't made for you. They're all for right-handed people. They sat there at the boardroom, and they said, we got this idea. We got scissors. But, sir, they won't fit anybody that's left-handed. There's only 10% of them. They'll get over it. That's how, that's how you got treated. In Ehud's day, not only was it you know, an inconvenience to be left-handed, but it was a sign of weakness. It was actually a sign that he would not be a strong warrior. They didn't line up the 10% of all the left-handed men and say, all right, guys, lead the charge. No, they put you in the back. That's why he was undetected walking into the presence of the king because it was so uncommon. It was a sign of brokenness. But can I tell you that we are all left-handed people with problems. 
Every one of us in this room. Your problems are different than mine, but you've got issues. And if you don't think you have issues, there's your issues. <laughs> we all do. We're all left-handed people with problems. But it just so happens that God uses unlikely people to do unlikely things. That's why we're reading about a man named Ehud who was left-handed and from the tribe of Benjamin. It just so happened that that tribe was one of the smallest groups. They didn't pick him out of the most popular group. They didn't pick him out of the most populated, the most known, the most equipped. No, he was just this little guy in the middle of nowhere. But God had raised him up. God used him. Maybe, just maybe, everybody, what you think is your brokenness that God would never use is the exact reason God's chosen you. They experienced peace because of a left-handed assassin. That left-handed disadvantage became the advantage on that day. Maybe your past regrets and your past hurts and your past experiences, maybe God is wanting to use that to make a difference for today. Maybe that divorce that you're ashamed of, maybe that decision that you're ashamed of, maybe those words that you said, those actions that you took, maybe that addiction that you've walked through, maybe that abuse that you've suffered, all of those things that we pile on ourselves to say, God, I'm, I'm not usable. God says, well, you're missing it. It's that brokenness that I chose to use today. You can't argue when God raises you up. When God raises you up, nobody can hold you down. But you have to be willing. You have to be willing to say, hey, I'll do it. And then you have to be vulnerable and open to say, God, this is my, I don't understand how you're going to do it. This is my brokenness, but I present it to you. And the number three, I think probably the most important ingredient of them all is our faithfulness. It's one of the most important words. It's one of the most important characteristics that any of us can possess is faithfulness. The Bible says that day they attacked the Moabites and they killed about 10,000 of the strongest, most able body warriors. Not one of them escaped. So Moab was conquered by Israel, underline these two words, that day. And there was peace in the land for 80 years. Listen, a day can change it all. That's a motto of my life that I live by. People say, well, how are you going to deal with that? How are you going to get through that? Well, you know what? A day can change it all. Tomorrow is a brand new day. Tomorrow is another opportunity for God to show up. Tomorrow, to, some of you went to bed one way, you woke up another. You don't even know why. A day can change it all. And just as bad happened today, you know what? God can turn around for my good tomorrow. On that day, after 18 years of oppression, you got this little left-handed guy that goes in undetected who allowed God to raise him up that was just willing, use my brokenness, and God, I'll go through the process. Look, we don't know much about his life other than this story right here. But when the Bible says God raised him up, that means God had been preparing him long before this day got here. He didn't just get a call the night of, hey, hey man, random guy, I need you this. No, God had already been raising him him up. He was faithful. Everybody, I can't stress just showing up. Just doing it another day. Sundays, I am a product of the church. I will preach it for my whole life. Our culture now today is the church has lost its importance in the eyes of people in our culture. You have no idea how big of a deal that it is that you are here today or that you're tuned in online. I'm a product of the church. And I believe in it wholeheartedly. And sometimes I just show up. It's just faithfulness. 
you just do it. And you think, well, my heart's not in it, so I don't want to be a hypocrite. No, just show up. Just do it. You be faithful to it. Because let me tell you something. It's not just affecting you. It's affecting other people. As a matter of fact, this past Wednesday night, I was at our student ministry, and uh, Brittany Kelly was leading worship on the platform with students. And their son, Jordan, was in the back, and he was running screens. And, uh, and you can see, there he is in the back. And let me tell you, he was serious, too. I walked up and said, hey, man, what's going on? He said, don't talk to me. I mean, he was in it. Like, I was like, sorry, man, I didn't mean to be a distraction. Like, he was in it, doing an incredible job. His mom's leading worship. It was an incredible moment to see a full circle family. Sunday night after our C-team dinners, many of you were here. We were all in the lobby uh, talking about important things. And um, I noticed Jeremy Kelly rolling a garbage cart down the lobby. And he was having to walk around all of us who were talking. And he had garbage piled up to the top. And he was serving. Nobody told him to take the garbage out. As a matter of fact, let's be honest with him. If he hadn't took that garbage out, you know what would have happened? Somebody else would have done it. If Brittany didn't lead worship, you know what would have happened? Somebody else would have done it. If I don't do this today, you know what will happen? Somebody else will do it. God's always going to get it done. But who does it are the people who are willing and the people who are faithful. Now let me tell you, as your pastor today, I say you need to do these things. And you go, oh, I just want you to serve. I, every time you go to church, I just want you to do something. Let me be very honest with you. Let me just be very blunt. It's got nothing to do with this church. And I don't say this pridefully. I say it because God's going to get his stuff done. Regardless if you do it or I do it, it's going to get done. It's, you're not needed for it to be done. You're wanted. Because when a family is faithful, and they're not doing it for any of this, but they're doing it for God, their kids begin to do it. And may they always grow in their purpose, in wisdom, and stature, and favor with God and man because of faithful parents who didn't do it to be displayed, but they did it to honor God. That's the power of faithfulness, everybody. So when you don't feel like it, you just do it. When you don't understand it, you just do it. When you're tired, you just do it. And I'm not just talking about church. That's a part of it. But you worship at home and you read your Bible and you're kind to people and you serve people and you're generous with what you have. You're just faithful. And watch what happens. Somebody else would have done what they did, but their son would not have reaped the benefits of somebody else doing it as well as them doing it. Everybody, God has given us a mission if we'll choose to accept it, to make a difference in this world where people are living any way they want to live. But if we're just willing, just us, normal, everyday people, if we're willing, take my brokenness, God. I'll just keep showing up, and anything you can get out of me, you're welcome to it. And on that day, they experience peace, favor, and the blessing of God for the next 80 years. Why wouldn't it 100 years? You know why? Because the people began living their own way again. They walked out of the favor of God. Today, let's walk in God's favor and let's give it all to him. Can I pray for us today? I want to invite you to bow your head, close your eyes. If you're online, listen, don't let a distraction get you. 
you're our guest in here today, nothing funny or weird is going to happen. Nobody's coming to get you. I just want to pray for us. Two things. Number one, maybe you're in this room watching online. You don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Congratulations. Today's your day. This is your moment. Don't miss it. I'm going to pray for you. I want you to pray. Say, God, take me like I am. I want a relationship with you. Some of us are in here today, and you find yourself possibly in, in this cycle somewhere. And you need to address it before the Lord. God's already spoken to your heart. You know where you're at. He convicts us. Remember the Bible is what it does. It corrects us, equips us. So I just want to pray that over us today. So Father, today, if there's any of us online in this room without a relationship with you, today we say, Jesus, we need you. We've sinned. We've messed up. We've missed it. We've done our own way. But today we choose you. Thank you for the forgiveness of my sin. God, I pray for all of us that no matter what part of this cycle that we're in, that today we would just recognize that we're here for you. We're created for a purpose for you, that there's a mission in front of us if we choose to accept it. God, that you would raise us up as a rescuer to make a difference in this world that's around us. And in the process of it, God, you bless our lives. As we pour ourselves out for others, God, you bless us. So God, help every one of us to be faithful to that call, to do what you've called us to do, to be who you've called us to be. And Jesus, you'll get all the credit for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Can we honor Jesus together? Come on, he's so good.